Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I have some great news for you guys. Many of you have asked for some sort of a cereal recommendation that I can make. However, the unfortunate thing is that most of the cereals out there are loaded with grains, sugars, processed ingredients that drive up inflammation in the body, even these so-called healthy cereals that you might find at a health food store. I couldn't recommend them because they're going to spike your blood sugar and your insulin levels and drive up inflammation, fat storage, and cause unwanted chronic symptoms. The good news is Perfect Keto has come out with a grain-free keto-friendly cereal with ingredients you can actually trust. It is a treat reminiscent of your childhood with a satisfying crunch and value-added ingredients like collagen and MCTs. I love the cinnamon and honey nut flavors, and it's completely grain-free, and it contains, again, medium-chain triglycerides, which turn into ketones to stabilize your blood sugar and your insulin levels and to bring down inflammation. They also have collagen protein in there, which is the major protein that supports your joints, your gut lining, helps reduce inflammation in your body. It helps to support your hair, your nails, and your skin. And each serving of Perfect Keto cereal contains one to two grams of net carbs, nine grams of protein, and five grams of fat. You know, an equal amount of traditional cereal can have up to 25 grams of net carbs, with barely any protein, fat, or dietary fiber. Perfect Keto Cereal is the only cereal formulated with MCTs and collagen. And unlike other grain-free, low-carb cereals, Perfect Keto Cereal does not contain hidden carbs in the form of starches and legumes. It's also free of non-keto sweeteners that are known to cause significant changes in your blood sugar levels. It's gluten-free, no added sugars, preservatives, or artificial ingredients, only good stuff. And so, guys, you can check this out. Just go to perfectketo.com forward slash D-R-J. Again, that's perfectketo.com forward slash D-R-J. Use the coupon code JOCKERS for 20% off your first order. Guys, you are going to love this cereal. So check it out again, perfectketo.com forward slash DRJ and use the coupon code Jockers. They've got it in cinnamon and honey nut. Tastes absolutely amazing. You guys are going to love it. This podcast is an audio recording of one of my most popular YouTube videos on high triglycerides. You know, this lipid component triglyceride is such an important measurement of our overall metabolic health. In fact, 
This is more important than looking at your total cholesterol or your LDL, the quote unquote bad cholesterol. I really don't, don't care to look at that as much. You know, I, I certainly do look at it and there are certain things I can understand from it. However, the most important things I'm looking at are your total triglyceride levels and your triglyceride to HDL ratio. That's giving me a really good understanding of your metabolic health. You need to understand what your triglycerides are. You need to understand why they may be elevated in your system and the best strategies for getting them under control. You're going to learn that in this podcast. So you guys are going to get that information. If you know anybody that's dealing with cardiovascular issues, uh, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, be sure to share this podcast with them. And also, if you haven't left us a five-star review, now is the time to do that. When you leave us a review, it helps us reach more people and impact more lives. Thanks so much for doing that. Thank you for being a part of our community here. And let's go into the show. Today, we're talking about high triglycerides, the root causes and natural support strategies. So triglycerides are a really big factor, and we're going to learn about really the importance of them. And I'm also going to talk about cholesterol because triglycerides and cholesterol are grouped into this category of lipids. And when we test your lipid profile, that's what we're looking at. So we're going to talk about the risk factors for high triglycerides and why high triglycerides is the most important lipid. That triglyceride, your triglyceride levels are the most important lipid to look at. That and your HDL, right? And we're going to look at the ratios there. We're also going to talk about root causes behind high triglycerides and LDL cholesterol. We're going to look at other labs that correlate with it and what we can decipher from other labs uh, if we're getting our lipid profile. And we're going to talk about support strategies for optimal lipid levels. And so just a legal disclaimer, of course, this video is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition, and it's for informational purposes only. The video is not a treatment protocol and does not replace a consultation with a healthcare practitioner. You are fully responsible for what you do or don't do with the information in this presentation. And so what are triglycerides? They are a type of lipid, like I was talking about, which is a type of fatty acid used for long-term energy storage in the body. They're made of glycerol backbone. So the backbone is glycerol, which you know comes from sugar, right? So kind of a sugar alcohol in a sense uh, with three fatty acid chains attached to it. Triglycerides are a form of fat or lipid found in your blood. Any excess calories that are not used from your food are converted into triglycerides and they can be either saturated or unsaturated depending upon the number of double bonds that are in there. Saturated has a maximum amount of hydrogens, all single bonds. There's a double bond. It's an unsaturated fat. And so the issue with triglycerides is that when we have high triglycerides in our blood, and I'm, not, I'm talking about fasting, high fasting triglycerides, because when you eat food, you're naturally going to have higher triglycerides. But when we're fasted, let's say 12 hours, like overnight fast, we get our blood work done, Triglycerides are high. It's a sign that we are not clearing fatty acids out of our bloodstream. We don't want a lot of circulating fat. We want our body to be very energy efficient. So it's a sign of energy inefficiency. And it's a sign that we have got insulin resistance and a higher level of visceral fat. And visceral fat is a problem because it actually has immune cells built within the fat that turn up inflammation. And it's been linked to an increased risk of heart cardiovascular disease, dementia, 
uh, type 2 diabetes, of course, cancer, you know, really any kind of chronic inflammatory condition, visceral fat is associated with it. So what are your major risk factors for high triglycerides? Well, of course, obesity or just being overweight, a sedentary lifestyle. If we're not moving our body well, we're not going to burn up energy as well. Therefore, we can have a tendency to have higher amounts of triglycerides. Overeating, right? If we're eating too much or eating too often, as you'll learn here, um, eating a high processed food diet because processed foods are highly palatable, but they also spike our blood sugar. They're also high in processed and damaged fats that promote inflammation. If we have insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes, that is a sign that we are metabolically damaged and we have very poor energy efficiency. Kidney disease, hypothyroidism is another common issue here. Smoking and high alcohol consumption, certain medications and some genetic disorders can cause high triglycerides. So when we look at cholesterol, of course, you know, we've been told LDL is bad cholesterol, HDL is good cholesterol. Okay. But is that actually true? We know that LDL, low density lipoproteins, okay, they carry cholesterol. They're actually proteins, although we, we call them cholesterol. The reason why we do that is because they are carriers. They're like buses that are carrying cholesterol. But they're not just carrying cholesterol, they're also carrying fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, D, E, and K. They are carrying, um, you know, they're carrying phospholipids, which are really critical components that of our cell membranes. They're really trying to carry cargo to the cells so it can repair itself. So LDL is really associated with higher levels of repair. So when we need a lot of repair, we need more LDL. HDL is the bus coming back without as much of the cargo, right? So less cargo, so it's more protein-based, and therefore it's a higher density because the protein has more density than the fat, so it's a higher density, and that's why we call it the HDL because it's dropped off the cargo. Now the bus is heading back to the liver where it can pick up more cargo. So that's basically what we're looking at there. So when we look at a lipid profile, a sign of good metabolic health is really, you know, most important thing to look at is really your triglyceride to HDL ratio. So the amount of triglycerides in your blood to the amount of HDL. It's a sign that our body, if we have a good ratio here, it's a sign that our body is very energy efficient. It's getting the cargo into the cells where, it, where they need to be. Um, you know, we don't, we don't just have all this excess fat floating around in our bloodstream. And we know that insulin tells the body to store fat and doesn't allow us to burn fat. And we're insulin resistant, we can also have trouble actually, you know, basically getting triglycerides into cells so they can be used for energy. So we end up with higher amounts of triglycerides in the blood. So when we look at this triglyceride to HDL ratio, it should be two to one or less. And ideally as close to one to one as possible, meaning if you have 90 parts triglyceride, you should have close to you know 90 parts HDL. So if your triglycerides were 90 or HDL was 80, that's a pretty good ratio, right? Very close to one. If your triglycerides are you know up over 100, anything over 100, that is a sign of early insulin resistance. If it's in a fasted state, like a truly fasted state where you haven't eaten anything for 12 hours, you know we really should get this ratio close to one. So Again, you know, if your triglycerides are 75 and your HDL is 80, great, right? So it's even under one, 
that's fine too. Triglyceride, kind of the range, the ideal range that I like to see it in is, is roughly 40 to 80. I like it under 100 for sure, roughly in that 40 to 80 range. And then the HDL, I like to see up over 50 for sure. And, you know, in that really in that like 60, 70, 80 range uh, is great for HDL. So that's what we're looking at. And, uh, you know, the other numbers like total cholesterol, I'm really not as concerned about that. The LDL to HDL ratio, the amount of LDL to HDL, not as concerned. Ideally, it's like three to one or less. However, there is a response called the lean, uh, lean hyper responder where sometimes some leaner individuals that are lower in body fat go on a low carb diet and their LDL goes way up. Now their HDL is up as well, but their LDL goes up, their triglycerides come down. So they're in that one-to-one ratio, which is really the most important thing to look at on the lipid profile, but they have a higher than three-to-one LDL to HDL ratio. And so if this person has low levels of fasting insulin and a good triglyceride to HDL ratio, then I don't concern myself about it, right? Just excess LDL is not really that big a deal. As long as they feel good, they have good um, thyroid function, their energy levels are good, brain function feels, you know, they're feeling good mentally and their triglyceride HDL ratio again is close to one to one and their fasting insulin levels are under six. As long as that's the case, it's actually totally fine. So I don't concern myself with that. All right. So other routine lab work, right, that you should get. If you're getting a lipid profile, you should always get fasting insulin. Like I talked about, that should be under six, ideally, like roughly two to six. You're always going to have some level of insulin. If you're not producing any, it may be a sign of type 1 diabetes where you have autoimmunity that have damaged the um, beta cells, right? So type 1 or a type 2B where it's autoimmunity damaging the beta cells in your pancreas. So we want to have some level of insulin, but it should be under six, roughly, you know, if it's under two, we may need to look at some other factors like C-peptide and things like that to see if there is damage to your insulin producing cells. However, roughly in that two to six range, that's good. Um, Hemoglobin A1C, which is kind of a 90 day look at what's happening with your blood glucose and how it's glycating because your glucose sugar in the cell will bind to proteins inside. I'm sorry, not sugar in the cell, but sugar in the bloodstream binds to proteins in the blood, right? Like albumin and um, white blood cells and things like that. And it creates sticky proteins. And we call this glycation because these sticky proteins create a lot of oxidative stress and damage different components like red blood cells will damage red blood cells. So when we look at hemoglobin A1C, we're looking at the amount of glycosylated hemoglobin, right? So damaged hemoglobin within the red blood cell because of sugar. And that ideally should be under 5%. So over a 90 day span should be under 5%. Now, if it gets up to, let's say 5.1, 5.2, I don't get overly concerned my ideal range when I'm looking at labs is somewhere around 4.5 to 5.2, but I've seen very healthy people with 4.2, 4.4, right? And that was great, right? Even though they weren't at that kind of 4.5 range. And, you know, again, 5.2, not overly concerned, but once it gets up over 5.2, it's a sign that blood sugar is elevated. Why is the blood sugar elevated? Are you under a lot of stress? Are you eating poorly? Are you not sleeping well, right? These are things that we have to look at. What does the fasting insulin look like, right? 
Um, is it too low? Is it too high? So we need to look at those things as well. Inflammatory markers, high sensitivity C-reactive protein always should be under one. LDH, which is lactose dehydrogenase, which is part of, you know, it's a um, enzyme utilized in the glycolysis, the, the process of utilizing sugar for fuel. Should be between 140 and 180. If it's up over 180, it's a sign of inflammation. Um, serum ferritin, that should be between 50 and 150. Up over 150, a sign of oxidative stress and inflammation in the body. Homocysteine, which is a breakdown product of methionine, which is amino acid metabolism. That should be roughly between six and nine. If it's up over nine, we're not methylating well. And that can be a reactive uh, inflammatory agent. So we want to look at that. And then, of course, that, that lipid panel, which everybody's getting, again, most important number is triglycerides, should always be under 100. And ideally, also looking at that triglyceride to HDL ratio, which should be two or less, close to, as close to one as possible. Okay. And HDL really should be up over 50 for everybody. Okay. So if it's under 50, that's, that's a problem as well. Functional root causes of high triglycerides. Insulin resistance, number one factor when it comes to high triglycerides. Now, another factor is oxidative stress and inflammation. Let's say you have leaky gut or um, you, know, you have significant food sensitivities. You have uh, you know, infections that are driving up inflammation in your body. That can also drive up triglycerides. Hypothyroidism or subclinical low thyroid where you don't technically have hypothyroidism However, your thyroid's not functioning optimally. You're not getting optimal thyroid hormone expression at the cellular level. That's a factor we have to look at. Vitamin D deficiency. A lot of research now. Vitamin D, which is produced with the same backbone, the squalene backbone that cholesterol is produced. So vitamin D is critical. Getting sun exposure actually activates um, squalene into the vitamin D pathway. And so sometimes people have high LDL, high triglyceride, and it's actually related to the fact they're not getting enough sun exposure to activate the squalene to go down the vitamin D pathway. Um, zinc deficiency, also a big factor when it comes to high triglycerides, chronic infections, like I talked about earlier. And then there are certain medications that can also drive this up as well. So signs of insulin resistance. First thing to look at, anybody that has high triglycerides, got to look at insulin resistance. Number one, tend to be overweight, trouble losing weight, large appetite and craving sweets after meals. Super common. So it's like you eat a meal, you have a large appetite, you eat a meal and you ate enough food, but you still have this sugar craving. And then you eat some sort of sweet, but it doesn't relieve the cravings. Why is that? Because your body is not getting the glucose into the cells. So you got plenty of food and in, in your bloodstream, right? Plenty of fuel, potential fuel there, but you're having trouble getting into the cells because insulin is what actually delivers it to the cells. So that is where the issue is there. And so because you've got all this excess energy, your body, but your body's not able to actually create energy and the act of digestion is very energy demanding, you oftentimes feel very tired after meals and just having high insulin can cause more fatigue in the body. So that's a big factor there. Uh, let's see, frequent thirst and your urge to urinate because you're trying to get a lot of that sugar out of that. You're trying to get rid of some of this fuel that's not going into cells. So you end up starting to pee it out, right? And you have a lot more uh, desire for more urination. So that's a factor there as well. Um, hormone problems. So for men, we can men can end up with 
higher amounts of aromatase, the aromatase enzyme, which converts testosterone into estrogen. For women, they'll end up oftentimes with higher testosterone. Not always. Some women end up with higher estrogen and estrogen dominance. But for many women, they'll develop higher testosterone, causing things like acne and different skin issues, as well as polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is associated with higher insulin levels and higher testosterone. Acne, skin tags, skin pigmentation changes in general, all signs of insulin resistance, and then high blood pressure. And of course, like what we're talking about here, high triglycerides are all signs of insulin resistance. So need to be addressed. Inflammation. So we know that when there's higher amount of insulin in the system, we're going to have higher amounts of inflammatory cytokines that are coming out, spewing out from the visceral fat. And so we get these higher amounts of tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin-6, which are key cytokines that will drive up C-reactive protein. Now, tumor necrosis factor alpha and IL-6 oftentimes go up before CRP. They're harder to test for. CRP is a very easy test to ask your doctor for. So sometimes CRP will stay down, but you're already in the preliminary stages of inflammation. So we have to look at you know fasting insulin, other factors. But if CRP is up, we know that you're, you're inflamed. You're either fighting off an acute infection or you have been dealing with chronic inflammation and some level of insulin resistance. So very important that we're checking that and looking at that. Now, hypothyroid symptoms. These are signs that you could potentially be dealing with hypothyroid. It's going to be, in general, fatigue, cold hands and feet, uh, trouble losing weight. So a lot of this is crossover with insulin resistance, like trouble losing weight. But probably the big, biggest ones that are not a crossover are things like cold hands and feet, hair loss, particularly the outer third of the eyebrows. It's one of the first things I look at for thyroid is what's happening in the outer third of the individual's eyebrows. Super important. Um, also, sometimes they can have swelling around the neck, uh, hoarseness, a lot of hoarseness in the neck because the thyroid is swelling and that's right there in the neck. So we got to look at that depression, uh, memory issues, so just brain issues in general, because we need thyroid activity to drive up mitochondrial energy production. And we have more mitochondria in the brain. Our nervous system tissue is so dependent upon healthy mitochondrial function. So if we're not getting enough thyroid hormone, that neural tissue, brain tissue is not going to be able to function well. So we end up with a lot of memory and mood issues, right? So things that we need to be looking at. So it could be any one of those. And that's why testing is important. Hey guys, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite food products. I mean, if you're out there and you're looking for healthy snack options or you know, really healthy food, sometimes it can be hard to find a gut-friendly, gluten-free snack option. And that's why you need to know about Paleo Valley. They're 100% grass-fed beef and 100% pasture-raised turkey meat sticks are not only loaded with delicious flavor, but they are completely free of carbs and sugar. Such a great bioavailable protein snack to grab on the go. I oftentimes will eat them with meals too. Like if I eat a meal and I'm still a little bit hungry, feel like I need a little bit more protein and healthy fats, I go ahead and have them. You know, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're dairy-free, GMO-free, preservative-free. I mean, what's not to love about that? On top of that, they actually also have 
probiotics in them as well. So you're getting the protein, healthy fats, and you're getting probiotics, lots of key minerals and nutrients in there, and they taste amazing. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. My kids and I absolutely love them, and I know your family will too. So try them out today. Now, here are some signs of vitamin D deficiency. Probably the biggest differentiating factor from insulin resistance and from hypothyroidism would be the frequent illness. When you're vitamin D deficient, you get a lot of colds, fevers, flus. That's very, very common. Uh, Another big issue is oftentimes greater pain sensitivity. So you just may notice a lot of things kind of hurting that you know, may, may, maybe a, just like a, a very light stimulus, but it can oftentimes cause more pain. And then also just a lot of daytime sleepiness. Of course, that's a crossover between thyroid uh, as well as depression. Depression is also linked with low vitamin D, but of course that's also linked with, uh, with thyroid issues, low thyroid. So hard, hard to cross into that, but frequent illness for sure associated with vitamin D deficiency. And oftentimes I see a number of these things like insulin resistance and vitamin D deficiency oftentimes go together. So it may not just be one of these issues. You probably, if you have high triglycerides, I would be willing to bet, you know, probably nine times out of 10, you're pro- you probably have high insulin and you also have vitamin D deficiency. And then maybe, I don't know, three or four out of 10, you may have high, uh, a low thyroid. So particularly with women. With men, it's typically always insulin resistance, and low vitamin D. Those are super common. Now, another key mineral to look at, and this is for good overall health in general, is zinc. Zinc is associated. Zinc deficiency is associated with high triglycerides, although I don't think it's a a true causative factor, but it can definitely play a role. Um, And it also plays a role just in how well your hormones are functioning, right? It plays a role with your immune function. So it's very important that we have the right zinc to copper ratio. So a test that I like to look at, zinc and copper, plasma zinc, serum copper, you can get this run on blood work. Your plasma zinc should roughly be between 90 and 135 UG per deciliter. And then the serum copper should be between 70 to 110. So roughly your zinc to copper ratio should be about one to 1.2. So slightly more zinc uh, than copper, plasma zinc than serum copper. That's what you're looking at. That's the ideal ratio there. And a lot of people have high copper, low zinc. I see this all the time, which can cause a lot of issues with the immune system, can cause more hormonal problems, increased risk of cancer, a lot of different factors. Now, infections. I mentioned infections as a factor. Infections drive up inflammation in the body. And when they drive up inflammation, they also drive up um, your corticosteroids, right? So your, I should say your glucocorticoids, not corticosteroids, but glucocorticoids, which are things like cortisol and adrenaline, these catecholamine uh, hormones, which are their job is to increase blood glucose. It's one of their main jobs to help you be ready to fight or flight. And so when you, when you do that, you end up also increasing insulin, you end up increasing inflammation. So some examples of biotoxins and infections, mold and yeast, 
Lyme disease, viral infections, bacterial endotoxins from things like H. pylori and Klebsiella, right? These things can drive up more inflammation in the body, more oxidative stress, cause more issues with blood sugar and insulin, as well as high triglycerides. So best ways to reduce triglycerides, starting with a low-carb anti-inflammatory nutrition plan, eat more garlic. Garlic is amazing for helping to lower triglycerides. And there's also a lot of great herbs like turmeric, ginger, um, parsley, dandelion, things, bitter herbs that are good for the liver really help liver function in general. And uh, they also help with digestion and they also can help support triglyceride metabolism. Intermittent fasting, one of the best things for getting insulin levels down and improving insulin sensitivity, as well as movement, exercise, and strength training. We got to reduce stress and improve sleep. Obviously, we want to optimize vitamin D and zinc levels. Also, a couple of things to help use omega-3 fatty acids, supplement with turmeric or curcumin, and also optimize your glutathione levels, which is your body's master antioxidant. Low glutathione is associated with fatty liver, with insulin resistance, with high triglycerides. So best anti-inflammatory foods to be consuming, grass-fed, organic, pasture-raised animal products. You know, a lot of people think if you eat animal meat, right, or animal fat with cholesterol, that that will actually increase your cholesterol. But actually, dietary cholesterol, the cholesterol you're consuming in your diet, has no impact on your blood cholesterol. It's really your insulin that's going to have the impact. So getting it from your diet is not an issue. It's what's happening with your insulin levels. That's the big factor. And then in some cases, it's the lean mass hyperresponder, uh, which increases the amount of overall LDL as well as HDL, but triglycerides are down. So those are really kind of the two major factors. And then thyroid hormone, because thyroid the thyroid hormone helps activate the LDL receptor on the cell. So if your thyroid is not activated, uh, if you're not getting enough active thyroid hormone, you're not going to be able to get the LDL to dock and you know let go of its cargo at the cell, which is super important because that's why the cell needs it. The cell needs cargo to repair. So those are the big factors there. So you want to make sure you're eating I recommend high healthy fats, high protein from grass-fed, pasture-fed, pasture-raised meat, wild game, uh, pasture-raised eggs, wild-caught fish or seafood, lemons, limes, and berries are great, avocados, avocado oil, non-starchy vegetables, um, fermented vegetables like sauerkraut, things like that, garlic, onion, chives, right? Super good for um, helping with lipid levels. Right. One of the reasons is because they're so good for the gut and so good for helping with bile flow, helping release bile. Bile is a way that your body actually gets rid of cholesterol, too, because bile is made of cholesterol. And if you're secreting bile well, you get rid of old cholesterol and you move it out through your feces. If you're not, it can get congested, the bile can in the gallbladder and the liver. You have less of a need to remove it and therefore it can build up as well in the blood. And so these kinds of foods, garlic, onions, chives, basil, oregano, thyme, rosemary, dandelion, parsley, radishes, um, these kind of bitter style herbs, ginger, so good for helping move the bile. Okay, organic extra virgin olive oil and olives, so good for blood sugar stability. Apple cider vinegar, another good thing for helping move bile. Okay, bone broth, vegetable broth. So 
you guys get the point. Lots of these kinds of foods, you want to stay away from refined grains, whole grains, um, you know, grains in general, we want to take those out. We want to get rid of deep fried foods, processed foods, things with vegetable oils like corn oil, soybean, safflower, cottonseed, peanut oil. Get rid of these refined vegetable oils. They are the worst things when it comes to overall health. We got to get rid of those things. Um, and we also want to get rid of, you know, things that have them in it, even like commercial salad dressings. You may even see an organic salad dressing, but it's made with organic canola oil. Canola oil is a bad fat that drives up inflammation in the body. So we don't want to use that. You may see it with, you know, organic soybean oil, still bad fat. We want to get rid of that. Now, how does fasting improve heart health? Because we also want to do intermittent fasting. Well, Fasting improves your overall circulatory health by strengthening blood vessels, by reducing insulin, reducing overall inflammation. It improves your cholesterol and triglyceride levels because the body gets better, more metabolically flexible, better at burning fat for fuel. The better you are at burning fat, the lower your triglycerides are going to be, the higher your HDL. Okay, Your body's going to be more metabolically healthy. So the LDL is going to dump off its continents and then at the cell, and then the, the HDL is going to be taking it back to the liver. So you're going to have a lot of the, this HDL because you have really good transaction, uh, tra transactional dynamics between the LDL and the cell. And that's what we want, right? We want the body to be very responsive uh, and the cells to be able to bring in the nutrients, bring in the key compounds that it needs to heal and repair and to produce energy. And that's what happens. That's what intermittent fasting really helps with, supports mitochondrial health, gets your body uh, actually helps increase the amount of mitochondria and the amount of healthy mitochondria, gets rid of dysfunctional cells, burns up excess body fat. I mean, just so many great benefits of intermittent fasting. I always recommend starting with somewhere around a 12 to 14 hour fast if you're new to this. So that would be like an overnight fast. Uh, if you finish dinner at 7 a.m., you don't eat anything until 8, 9 a.m. the next morning. Start your day with a lot of water, right? Really hydrate your body well. And I recommend if you're able to get your fast up to 16 to 18 hours daily. For some individuals, particularly lean menstruating females who are also very active, uh, maybe they exercise on a regular basis and they are have a stressful life. They have young kids or they have a busy career. For some of them, doing too much of an intense fast, like the strong fast of 16 to 18 hours, it may be too intense for them. So they may need to do 16 hours, two or three days a week on non-consecutive days. So rather than doing it every day, they can still get the great benefits of intermittent fasting by dosing it, doing it two or three days a week, non-consecutive days. So that can be extremely powerful. Definitely something I recommend. We call it crescendo fasting. Okay. And then as you get your body more metabolically healthy, doing a 20 to 24 hour fast one day a week, super powerful, really ramps up autophagy and cellular healing. So really powerful stuff to do. Now, vitamin D deficiency, 75% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D3. Okay. And they're not even, at, they're not even close to optimal levels. And I'm talking about under 30 nanograms per milliliter, which we really want to get vitamin D up over 50 and that is a major factor when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to insulin resistance, when it comes to high triglycerides and um, low HDL. So very important that we're optimizing our vitamin D levels. I recommend getting up it up over 50 nanograms per milliliter. So you should be sunbathing several times a week with at least 40% of your body. So like basically in a bathing suit, at least 
you know, two to three times a week for 30, 45 minutes or so to get that sort of sun. Now, if you're very dark skin, you may need a lot more time than that to produce enough vitamin D. It's very hard uh, for people with very dark skin. And, you know, whether no matter what your skin uh, color is, certain times of the year, you may not be able to get enough sun or you just may work inside all day and just not be able to have the access to sunbathing. So rec I recommend supplementing with roughly a thousand international units per 25 pounds of body weight to help get your levels up to optimal. And in some cases, we may need more. You may not absorb it as well. So we do 2000 international units per 25 pounds of body weight. Also important that you have magnesium you're consuming magnesium, which helps, which is critical for the conversion of vitamin D3 into the active 125 vitamin D3 um, that can be used. Also, taking vitamin D3 with vitamin K2 is very helpful for calcium metabolism, helping get calcium out of the bloodstream and into the cells where it belongs. So that's super important as well. Now, moving our body, of course, helps us with burning fat and uh, so regular exercise, getting your body moving building muscle tissue. One of the best things, if you have high triglycerides, is actually building muscle tissue, doing strength training, so critical, okay? Build more muscle tissue and your body will become more metabolically healthy, metabolically fit, and we'll get those lipid ratios under, under balance. We also wanna support the liver. So we wanna hydrate our body really well. We wanna make sure that we're consuming, you know, some bitter herbs, right? So we can do organ meats, right, as well. So beef liver, heart, things like that have nutrients in them that support good liver health. And then also bitter herbs, doing bitters like things like parsley, um, milk thistle, uh, dandelion, ginger, apple cider vinegar, all great. Radishes, all great. These bitter types of foods, onions, garlic can be really great for helping move bile and um, helping the liver function better. We also want to make sure we're optimizing our sleep, right? Sleep is super critical for overcoming any sort of metabolic disease. And so keeping our room as cool as possible, as dark as possible, using a sleep mask, avoiding caffeine within eight hours of sleeping, super important. We also want to eat dinner at least three hours before we go to bed. If you're eating right before you go to bed, it's going to affect your overall sleep quality, you're not going to sleep as well. And that's going to set you up for more cravings more blood sugar uh, instability the next day, you're not going to feel as good. Now, another great way to set yourself up for good sleep is getting sun exposure during the day. Sun exposure helps set your circadian rhythms, uh, ideally early in the day, right? Although anytime you get sun is always a good thing. Um, and then exercise, get regular movement, just not late at night. Kind of like with, with eating, we really don't want to exercise you know, I would say you'd want to exercise no later than four hours before you go to bed. So if you're going to bed at, let's say 10, you don't want to exercise after, you know, six. Okay. If you're going to bed at 11, you don't want to exercise after, after seven. So that would make a lot of sense there. And ideally trying to get to bed, you know, at least an hour before midnight, getting as much sleep as possible before midnight is going to be a lot more rejuvenating for your body. Your body's going to produce more growth hormone. You're going to get better bang for your buck when it comes to sleeping. You want to avoid bright light after sunset. So after sunset, put on some blue light blocking glasses, dim your lights, get some um, like red or orange bulbs rather than bright white light um, because that light will inhibit your melatonin production. So you won't be able to get as good a quality deep sleep. And then you want to wind down at 9 p.m. So you don't want to have a lot of goals after 9 p.m. It should just be relaxing. 
Um, and that will help set you up for good sleep. If you have a lot of goals you're trying to accomplish after nine, you're going to get another hit of cortisol and these stress hormones that increase your blood sugar, give you a sense of like, give you your second wind. So you feel like you've got energy and mental clarity. However, it's also suppressing melatonin release. So it's going to affect the quality of your sleep that night. Now, another thing that's very helpful is gut support, probiotics. Okay, probiotics have been shown to help um, reduce triglycerides and improve lipid panels. So, pro so probiotics can be very helpful for helping your body get rid of these gut infections and uh, supporting a healthy gut lining. So probiotics can be very helpful. Um, also, omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, which we can get <clears throat> from long-chain, uh, well, these long-chain fats, EPA and DHA, which we can get from wild-caught fish, seafood, things like that, as well as grass-fed animal products can all be really helpful. EPA um, tends to be the most beneficial when it comes to triglyceride support and, and metabolic health, okay? Although DHA, which is the very long chain omega-3, that, and both of these are found in your wild-caught fish um, and seafood, DHA is most powerful for brain, EPA is most powerful for metabolic health, right? Triglyceride support. So getting a combination of those can be really powerful. And then supplementing with turmeric or curcumin, it's a really great way to downregulate inflammation, also very good for helping stabilize blood sugar levels and get inflammation under control. So lots of good stuff here, guys. If there's one supplement, people ask me, well, what's one supplement I can take? I really like the inflamed defense, typically when people are dealing with high triglycerides or dealing with high inflammation. So this has got turmeric in it. It has got boswellia, ginger proteolytic enzymes in there. So a number of different compounds, resveratrol, quercetin, to help downregulate inflammation in the body. And that will definitely help. But the most powerful levers when it comes to triglycerides are going to be your diet. They're going to be your intermittent fasting, practicing intermittent fasting, getting regular movement, and then optimizing sleep. If you do those things, you should be able to get those triglycerides down. Okay. If not, Make sure you're getting some functional lab work, work with a functional health coach, try out the inflamed defense, see if that helps knock down inflammation. Um, <clears throat> so try that out. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this training, got a lot out of it, and we will see you in a future one. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I wanna thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.